passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone. It is Wednesday, May the 31st, the end of the month and the end of my sanity. That is where I am at on this Wednesday night. How are you, Way? Um, I, I, I feel sane. You know, I'm sorry to hear that, that you're not. But what's up? I've just had a uh, a very long, a long and winding day that is uh that has brought me to this moment here with you. It was um it was a very 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 long night for me. Um, my daughter has decided this uh this whole sleeping thing has been going just too smoothly of late, and now she um does not care to sleep. So last night I took it upon myself I was going to get her back to sleep, and that uh, consisted of me staying up till about four a.m. with her. And then waking up at about eight and just my whole day, it was just all this stuff that I had set up. I was supposed to have this uh, doctor's appointment in the morning. I wake up. It's been canceled. It's like, great. I had like moved all this stuff around to accommodate this. So that falls apart. And then um, my wife um, is now very under the weather. So she came home today and was just so sick. So I just said, why don't you go lie down? I will take over everything tonight. And I did uh, all the stuff with the kids and getting them to sleep. And Wednesday is a Wednesday is the only night where it is very difficult to. I can start a little after eight, but not too much after eight. Raw, no problem. I can start anytime. I'll be fine. SmackDown, no problem. Dynamite is is a little tougher. So it was um it was just mayhem uh, tonight. Uh, it has been a blur most of this day. I think at some point I talked with you about Succession. I think I could be wrong. And a little thing that's a little concerning to me and is on my mind is that, so this week, I, I had a great reading month, okay? Despite all of my uh, complaints about all this craziness, I read seven books this month, which was like a pretty nice number. And I read this book on on Watergate, and I've read quite a few books on, on Watergate. I find it a really fascinating story. And I'm reading this book, and there's like a few different like anecdotes and stuff that I'm reading. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm aware of that fact. I've heard this story before, and I'm reading it, and I finish it, and I keep a list of my books I read. And so I jot this one down when I finished it, and I'm looking, and I'm like, wait a minute, I've read this book. Hmm. Now, not crazy that you would necessarily read a book and realize, oh, you have read this in the. I read this book in March, and I don't have any recollection of reading this in March. Mm. And it was just like to this, 
all I have is this list that tells me I read this book and I had some like uh, reading this. I'm like, okay, I, there are certain things that are clicking with me, but I do not have any recollection of reading this book. And it's a, it's a little concerning to me that if I had read this two years ago, okay, maybe I just slipped my mind. This was March. We are in May. There, there were no moments while you're reading this book that you recognized anything. I read familiar. the entire thing in like two days. And it's like at the end of it, like I, I'm questioning myself. Like, did you really read this book? Because it had been in my mind to read this book for like a couple of weeks prior. I was like, I'm going to read this one. Like in a, in a few, I am going to get around to this one. And I had hmm. read it already. So what I'm here to tell you is that my mind is um, turning on me. And here I am way on this Wednesday night. That's, that's the status of me. How was your day? Um, my day was fine. I feel like these tend to go this way, you know, like, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I feel f- terrible for you. It sounds like there are some terrible circumstances that you had to go through in order to get to this point. Um, I, I can't really say I, I have that much to complain about. I had a really nice day. Did you see about, uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, their no. mansion that they uh, got? $61 million mansion. They've just closed a deal on. Um, so congratulations to them. Cool. Yeah. Why is that? Why is that a big deal? I mean, don't celebrities buy big houses, expensive they houses do. all the yeah. time? I would love to know who, who bid them up that high. I mean, how high do you go when you're like, you know what? 61 million. What was the yeah. second highest bid? That's what I want to know. I had no clue. I can't, I can't fathom those. Like once you're at like 59 and you're like, oh, 61, too rich for my blood. <laughs> like well, what I worry about is like, you know, how, like, how are you going to clean the place? You know, how many Roombas are you going to need? One for every room. Probably. Oh, that's a, that's a few Roombas. Yeah. There's, um, but you know oh. what they, they say, love don't cost a thing. They do say that. Okay. We don't have time for, uh, meanderings, but we have a big night. It is a double header here at post wrestling. For Wednesday nights, for the foreseeable future, we will be doing these double headers where we will review Dynamite free for all. And then for all the cool kids out there, you can jump on with us after the Dynamite review to the Post Wrestling Cafe. PostWrestlingCafe.com, all tiers will be uh, able to access as we go live and we will chat about that week's Dark Side of the Ring episode. Tonight, we will start with the Chris and Tammy episode covering Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch that aired on Tuesday evening on Vice TV. So go over postwrestlingcafe.com. As soon as this review is done, the link has already been sent out to all patrons, or you can join us video.postwrestling.com. And we will be doing this throughout the duration of season four of Dark Side of the Ring. And as a, uh, as an add-on to that, Thursday, Brandon Thurston and I will be chatting with Evan Husney, the co-creator and executive producer of the series. We'll chat about episode one and what is in store for season four, some of the subjects, uh, tales from the territories that they did last year, and the gap between season three and season four. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. You know, these are always really interesting subjects, and today is one of the episodes that I was probably lo- most look for- looking forward to with Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. So uh, I've had a chance to watch it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys have as well. So if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron, you can join us live. Or if you're listening to this after the fact, find it on your feeds. Yes. And I will uh, I will double check with my notes because I think I have also read this. Oh, okay. The Chris Candido Wonderful. book. It's actually Perfect. very good. Actually, I know I read that one. Excellent. I don't have to double check that one. So anyway, that is all coming up uh, as soon as we're done. The Dynamite Review. Tonight, Tony Khan announced that CM Punk is back. 
He will be back on June the 17th, the debut of Collision. And uh, we'll talk about the, the reaction uh, in the building uh, during the review. This is not an unexpected announcement, but I would say anything regarding CM Punk, it is always, um, until until confirmed, there are always going to be, I guess, uh, skeptics, questions, doubts. But this was officially made on Wednesday night by Tony Khan. And as much as people want to, like make it a joke about these Tony Khan big announcements. Like, let's look at the recent track record. The last three announcements have been the largest show in company history for All In, uh, a new primetime two-hour show on TNT on Saturday nights, and the return of CM Punk. I mean, at least you cannot say that he is, um, you know, just announcements and he's sending you softballs uh with with these announcements these have been pretty significant announcements for the company yeah yeah um i and i and i think they work you know they 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 do a good job of dri- driving interest to you know um audiences before got, got this one out before uh, the new vanderpump rules started so very smart strategic announcement if there was any criticism i that is deserved i think it's maybe how like the stretching out of, of these announcements or at least the public perception of a stretching out of what is essentially one announcement we're doing collision and we're going to lead with CM Punk due to circumstances. He had to delay at least one portion of that announcement to, you know, another week, but we had the combination of announcing collision, then announcing Chicago, then announcing CM Punk stretched out between three weeks. So I, I, you know, as a, as a gimmick, I I don't think you're getting this announcement way. If Chicago sells out over the last week, I think that that, like, why would you announce if, if the United Center sells out like it did for Punk's first arrival? Are they mm-hmm. announcing Punk this week to, to what? Like, certainly you want to build up that television audience. But I would say if the United Center sold out, that would be a microcosm of the larger audience that all expect Punk and that there's a giant interest in this show that maybe you don't need a Punk. The Chicago sales, I mean, they've been fine. And I think that they are going to get a real hit uh, or a surge with this announcement. Um, but as we've gone over, like the other collision numbers are also worth watching with this announcement, like for Toronto, for Calgary, for all of them that they have coming up over the next two months. Yeah. I mean, who's to say, you know, I, I think eventually they probably would have announced punk sometime in the next uh, month before that first episode, or I should say, what is it now? No, the two 17 weeks. days, 17 days until. Yeah. So, I mean, now actually, you know, if they were going to announce it, it would seem like it was decent t- timing, maybe just as always, like, you know, this sort of like, um, uh, ace in, in, in their pocket, they could always ah. announce it. Exactly. Yes. They could always announce it just to, you know, um, spur last minute ticket interest um but we'll see that's that's really the big question um how much you know the the on sale benefits from this and how much the other collision dates benefit from it as well yeah the the latest um ticket sales that russell ticks had was uh, chicago at just under 6900 tickets out which again like it's uh, by the regular standards like that's that's a that's a good number uh, there's a lot more you can fit in the United Center, but it, it is not as though the, the show is bombing in, in Chicago. It's a, like a very healthy number. Now, Toronto on June 24th is at uh, just under 1,800, and that that is not a good number for the Scotiabank Arena the night before Forbidden Door. So that's one to watch. Calgary is at about 3,300 3, as well, which th- that that's a big, a big arena uh, on top of it in Calgary. So, I mean... To me, Chicago, I think you would expect the natural movement, but I'm, I'm more interested in these other cities for collision that I think everyone is going to take this to mean that Punk is on all of these collision dates unless he has some uh, prior commitment that can't be on some week, but most collisions he'll be there. I think if that was the case, they should have explicitly said that. You know, because I don't think it's a guarantee. Oh, you mean tonight? They should have yeah. said, yeah, 
I, I, I don't disagree that they could have made it like CM Punk is coming to collision and he is, um, he will be on know, all and, these, all these dates. Yeah. And yeah. I guess we can't say a hundred percent. He is on all of these collision dates, but if he was, you're right. They, they should have made that clear. Um, yeah. that CM Punk will be the collision. Well, maybe that's player. next month's, uh, next week's announcement could be in the be. week after <laughs> he's going to yeah. be in Regina. Stay tuned next week when I will announce whether or not he will be in Saskatchewan. Uh, or actually that's also Regina. That's Regina, right? So it's yeah, Calgary, got, you know, whatever. It's, uh, t- Toronto, then yeah, Regina, Hamilton. Calgary. Oh yeah, Hamilton's right after Toronto on the Thursday. Yeah, right. Um, did you want to talk about like the announcement and the reception to the announcement? Well, why not? In the uh, arena? So Tony Khan did again one of his announcements backstage, and as soon as his name was was made, like it it was like a loud reaction. Um, and then they quickly found lots of like CM Punk shirts, uh, but it was a very divided reaction mm-hmm. to CM Punk. And I don't think that is necessarily a bad thing that he's coming in as this uh, polarizing figure. I think that is to be assumed. He is not going to have a mixed reaction night one. And mm-hmm. I guess what is, what is your expectation of how, let's say his second appearance is in Toronto the next Saturday. What kind of reaction is Punk getting in Toronto? So I think a lot of it. Uh, so I, I think if Punk showed up in Toronto tomorrow, you would have very much the same reaction that you know this San Diego crowd seemed to give to him, and that's a, a one of a mixed reaction. You know, that's one reaction of people who might be just tired of the bullshit by this point. Um, you know, reactions of people who might see him as the aggressor and the person who is wrong in this entire all-out brawl. Um, and I, I think outside of Chicago, you have a lot of that sentiment. What, um, what at least, you know, would let me wait to see is what I need to see what he says in Chicago, because if it, he comes out in Chicago and takes some level of ownership and baby faces himself that way, I think there's a chance that the rest of the audience can, you know, just kind of like forget about it, but who's to say they want to, maybe they want to run with this heel, you know, character who's a baby face in Chicago. It's, you know, CM Punk for Chicago versus the world. As long as it draws attention and draws money to collision. I don't think Tony Khan or nor CM Punk should worry about it at all. I don't think this at any point diminishes his star power. And that's the most important thing. I think the the bigger thing is that if you go into Toronto and let's say it's 8,000 people that end up being at this show, um, who cares what their reaction is? I'd be much more concerned if it was um, 3,000 people in this arena. And that would tell you that it's an audience that it is fine to hate this guy, but we are still willing to spend money to see this guy versus um, he is such a turnoff. And I do not think he is a turnoff uh, mm. in, in any sense to people. And, Listen, this is not a guy. First of all, that Chicago appearance, he's going to cut an incredible promo. He's going to be um, a giant star as soon as he walks out in front of a crowd that's going to be very receptive to him. It's going to be the future weeks that will be interesting to see. But this is not a performer that is going to get rattled. And I think you can go in there. Maybe it's going to be a babyface reaction. Maybe it's not. I mean, we saw how Chicago reacted to the elite. It's not the worst thing in the world that you'll have these different audience reactions and it's all in how you manipulate that to your own uh, business and to your own direction. I think there's a real potential that he could flourish as a heel, you know, when, and at this point, if he's only a baby face in Chicago, he would essentially be a heel everywhere else. And I think that would be an interesting twist on this run of CM Punk's in AEW, a, a, a heel CM Punk's. Now, is, is, is that, is there any sort of detriment to like portraying Punk as a heel for a, a TV show that you're trying to push on a Saturday night? 
well, if he has the right opposition, I don't think so at all. Roman Reigns is a heel, and you know he's he's a biggest star in the company right now. So, yeah, let's see how they play it. To me, it would if you were to see this guy coming in, and it's a very hostile reaction, and you come to that conclusion that the heel route is the best one. I think you have to really revisit the idea of MJF as a heel at that point, and whether he is more valuable as the babyface, and how you get to that. Of this, here is the guy that. Um, you know, as you can see, they have very much taken his, like his kind of mission statement. It's still the whole bidding war of 2024, but it's more so of there's no challengers for me. I'm bored here as opposed to running down the company and that it's like an anti AEW slant. It's more so he is looking at like I've beaten everyone and. I think that y- you can make that pivot. And I think it's an audience that ultimately they want to be uh, behind an MJF. I think you could make that turn, but you would have to have the right person and Punk would be that person. But he could also come in and we have seen plenty of times when uh, the famous one everyone always brings up is how ECW was just this anti-corporate wrestling crowd. And then Sid shows up and he's the biggest star in the world. Like here's a guy that just screams like New York WWF and he comes and they're just in love with him and for punk it's if he had walked out in front of this crowd in San Diego tonight in person would it have been a mixed reaction or would they have lost their minds to have seen CM Punk oh yeah absolutely no that's a great point yeah like you know no matter how mixed the mention of a CM Punk might be today the moment his star power shines in front of somebody um live in person it's going to be a big reaction but of course so much of it will be determined by what he says and how they decide to push his character it's a great hook for the first episode of Collision. Like, there's going to be a ton of anticipation for all these questions and to see what he says. I think that it's, I, I thought it was the right call to uh, announce his name, especially when you saw what the ticket sales were. Like, it, it made a whole lot of sense. Had they sold out, I think you don't have to, but mm-hmm. it was, I think this is, you know, a solid amount of time to build anticipation. And I guess the alternate question is I mean, I don't think you're going to be seeing any of, like the elephant in the room not being addressed. I don't, I don't see them bringing up the brawl. And unless they eventually get to a, an angle involving it, like I don't see them addressing any of that. And does the audience take that as like you're insulting us by not calling out what is so obvious? There, there's got to be some reference to it, right? You know, in this initial promo, um, it, it's it hard to mean- imagine not having some reference. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's been pretty. Like just this is the the untouchable topic uh, for AEW. I'm honestly just as curious to know internally have those talks happen between you know the principal characters involved in, in the brawl out. What do the things stand between them? You know we we've heard about Jericho and, and and Punk meeting up, but has Punk and Tony have they sat down with the rest of the elite? Where does everything stand at this point? Listen, if everything was great, these we would not be having separate shows and different rosters and all this potential stuff, which is all, you know, subject to change. But I, I would say that it would be like, we would not be having that this Saturday, Wednesday divide with punk and the others. If everyone, because the obvious is like, if everyone could be on the same page, let's make money off of this. Like that is, that is the clear, obvious answer for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, We will talk about this more during the review. Matt Jackson put out an update on his uh, partially torn biceps that he got. This, I think, was the Winnipeg show. He sustained this back in March. He said, I got hurt about 10 weeks ago, literally on day one of the beginning of a very important story that we started. I was told there was a good chance I wouldn't be cleared to perform again for six to seven months after surgery. 
Surgeons insisted I get the muscle repaired immediately. I opted not to do surgery, but rather try other therapeutic options that would get me back quicker. I had faith that through proper rehabilitation, supplementation, and prayer, I'd be back wrestling with a target goal of double or nothing. There was clearly a lot of doubt, but I wasn't going to miss it no matter what. In fact, I wasn't going to miss any of the events leading to it either. During the process, I lived in fear that I was making a huge mistake, that my arm would never be the same again, or that I'd lose a bunch of strength. I had anxiety and many sleepless nights that I'd let everyone, including myself, down. Thankfully, my wife, Dana, my close, my family, close friends, and various medical staff members supported and showed their love these past couple of months. And I hit my target, wrestling with my elite family by my side in Las Vegas. Meant so much to me because the journey there was pretty rough. Thanks to everyone who's put up with me, my endless chatter about my rehab, and asking you to watch me flex so you can tell me how great I look. So that was the the story of Matt Jackson going into double or nothing. And yeah, this could have been, you know, months and months if he had undergone surgery. I don't, you know, I, I can certainly applaud this, this man's work ethic to go through this and make all these dates and such. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it uh, that I, mm-hmm. I, I'm somewhat, and believe me, part of this is uh, sort of just, you know, just what, what we're going to be talking about too, with like uh, Chris Candido and such, like here was a guy that just, undergoes uh, surgery and then he was back at work the next day literally after his surgery and this is not the same case but it is sort of this um this this mentality that still is there in the industry not letting people down working through injuries that are i mean quite honestly it's um to me or or even traveling not even just working but traveling you know through injury like in this case like because it's not like he took many bumps you know he was doing physical stuff. I mean, there yeah. was, it's not as though this guy was taking it easy. Like, but it, not every week, but I think tossed sp- off a stage at one point. Um, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. I think, I think specifically to, to, to what you're speaking about is the pressure to, you know, show your face, especially for somebody in his position as an EVP to not take any time off. Um, because he, you know, they, they were building to essentially what was the main event of this pay per view, anarchy in the arena featuring the entire reunion of the elite. He was an integral part of it and he didn't want to screw those things up. Obviously, they could have, you know, found somebody to replace him, but, uh, those pressures all combined, you know, probably made him want to, do as much as he physically was able to and he got through it but and it sounds like he has full uh strength back you know he he, they, uh, he mentioned in yeah this it, i mean listen this guy made a calculated call to avoid surgery and it looks like he made the the right choice and i'm sure his rehab was extremely intense to mm-hmm. go, go through this like a partially torn biceps is you know that's that's a significant injury that you're dealing with and if he was able to avoid six to seven months out i think that's that that's a huge win for him. I just look at this as though like this is a company like I I don't think there would have been any pressure placed upon him by those in the company. I think this is all self-imposed pressure and it mm-hmm. just isn't a mindset into what exists for these wrestlers that this guy could have taken care of this injury and taken whatever time he needed off and he's not losing a spot, but these guys like this is how they are wired for for better or for worse and this turned out for the better. But I think that there's also it just does show you this mentality exists for performers. I also wonder if if in, you know, any wrestler's case, not wanting to take time off because you don't want your contract extended, especially with him and his brother. And, um, you know, who knows, like who else, you know, maybe uh, their contracts coming up at the same time and it, it would really hurt their negotiation power. Yeah, well, and and that is a more like interesting question that you bring up is that like there is a. Like, is, would you define that as like a punishment for dealing with an injury? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I could see both sides, you know, um, should like, if somebody's up for an entire year, should, 
should Tony pay somebody f- for that entire year where they're not being used? I mean, I can see both arguments. Well, we're glad that uh, Matt Jackson is uh, is doing better. And I mean, w- what a what a calm match to come back to uh, and, and work towards. Like, he took, took a, he took a lot in that match. I mean, you could argue he took the most in that match when it when yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Like among the most memorable spots of that, it's the exploding sneaker and the thumbtacks and the big swing, and the, the big swing and the pile driver and the pickup truck. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy. I mean, all credit to him for the performance he he put forth on Sunday. There was some more news about Pat McAfee and his deal with ESPN. This comes from Andrew Marchand at the New York Post that his new deal with ESPN reportedly worth eighty five million dollars over five years. So I mean, he could have gone for that mansion. Awesome. Um, yeah, it, I'm sure he I mean, could he could afford, afford it at this point. Absolutely. So th- this is not like a straight salary for Pat McAfee because he pays like they control their show and he pays all the people on the show. So this is more mm-hmm. of like a licensing agreement. But this does include Pat McAfee's work on College Game Day. So it's about 17 million a year that this would work out to. It's in the neighborhood of 85. That's what was reported here. And Pat McAfee did. um did comment to Andrew Marchand. He said, I will be paying my people and we will be producing the show fully. ESPN will be handling a lot more of the back end stuff while also providing a platform that is incomparable linear wise with a network of talent that is deep and awesome. Their production assets, league rights capabilities and access to everything in the sports world makes us incredibly pumped about the possibilities and can't wait to get started this fall. And this is actually a reduction for them because they are exiting that FanDuel deal that they had entered, which was worth $120 million. And they were only in the second year of that deal. But, you know, from multiple reports, it was, it was a lot to be producing this show and dealing with all the behind the scenes of running this production company and the show that ESPN takes a lot of that. Uh, those headaches off and they can just focus on doing a daily show each day and not having to deal with the whole kind of business end of, of everything. So I, I would say that in terms of the wrestling side, I, I think that his, his days as a regular broadcaster are probably done and the odd cameo would make sense. And mm-hmm. for, for him and for WWE to have that, that crossover, but the days of doing SmackDown every Friday, he just had a child recently. I would think that that's, that's probably a thing of the past. Yeah, I think that was already pretty evident the moment he, you know, left the first time. But especially now with so much more on his plate, the man himself is an industry, right? That a lot of people are reliant upon to make their money. Um, and you know, probably shouldn't be taking the, that, that level of risk, um, all too often, you know, physically, um, nor the travel, uh, attached to it as well. So good for him. It's, it's an amazing story. Like, like whether you're a fan of Pat McAfee or not, I don't know how anyone can look at what he started. Like to tell you a story when he launched his show, mm-hmm. like they were like, they reached out to us. It was like, would you like to interview uh Pat McAfee? Yeah, like he was just trying to get any word of mouth for this show. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to interview Pat McAfee. It was like a really enjoyable like interview that I had with him. But dude, like this guy was just pounding the pavement to get attention for this show and what it's grown into it's remarkable. I mean, I, I don't look at him as like a a like journalist in the sense, but he is a high level media personality that has access to like his access with an Aaron Rodgers. Like he is a go to place for a lot of athletes, and ESPN clearly sees him as a huge part of as they're making all of these cuts. Like this is a giant investment when they are slashing costs at a ridiculous amount, um, which will continue this year. Yeah, and 
I mean, he's an attractive personality with a big, big fan base and his shows are fun. Um, you know, a lot of people try to start these podcasts and not many are able to build the types of connections that he has. So, uh, this is what, you know, major companies look for these days. So good for him. NXT on Tuesday night. Uh, some of the news coming out of the show, we had, uh, this was the landing spot for several free agents with Baron Corbin showing up at the end of the main event after Carmelo Hayes defeated Noam Dark, Baron Corbin laying out Hayes and raising the NXT title. And we also had Mustafa Ali showing up through the crowd and it would seem he, he backed up Wes Lee and it would seem like down the road, we're going to get Wesley and Mustafa Ali for the North American championship. I really like this for Ali and for Corbin. I mean, my God, this guy had just hit rock bottom on the main roster. So I don't know if anyone had Carmelo Hayes and Baron Corbin at the top of their request list. But I mean, this I don't know if you stretch this all the way out to Great American Bash or if this is just on television. But this looks to be, I mean, as good a use for Baron Corbin as you're going to get. I think so. I think it could be good for Baron Corbin. I mean, um, at, at the very least, we have some sort of definition now of what it, it means to be a free agent coming out of that draft. It means you can go to either show. It also means you can um, show up to NXT. So they've been doing this even before this whole free agency thing with guys, you know, uh, coming up for co- going going down. I Maybe I should say, you know, for, for programs. Um, it's, you know. It's resulted, I would say, in a decent amount of like buzz for whoever they're working the program with, but I wouldn't necessarily say it does a whole lot for the NXT part, like the WWE person going down to NXT. Uh, even like for somebody like an Apollo Crews, I wouldn't say it necessarily refreshes him or makes him a bigger star coming back. I wouldn't even necessarily say they did manage, manage that with Finn Balor when he had that entire year down in NXT. Um, so, but you know, this is good for Carmelo Hayes and maybe I'll, I'd make a, an exception for somebody like a Mustafa Ali because it really does seem like he's done with the positive Ali character. And I think that's a huge positive. Um, I also hope that this means he's going to be a full on baby face. That's a lot more true to his real self than, you know, whatever they, he, he was doing coming off of the uh, Saudi Arabia or well, whatever he was doing on raw and then building off of the, the, the really good momentum coming off of the Saudi Arabia show for him. All right. Um, that was on the NXT front and, Ratings, uh, for the past week. Um, well, let's just go over raw right now. Uh, they did 1,611,000 viewers and a 0.52 in the demo. So they were down like 2% in viewers and 3% in the demo from the week before. It was still their third lowest uh, viewership of the year, but this was going against a massive game seven between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics that were, uh, did like 12 million viewers and like a 4.24 in, in the demo. So they were up against gigantic uh, competition. Plus there was an NHL game, which Rob beat the NHL game on Monday. So again, th- this was, it, they were hurt by the basketball game and they did start low, but I would say the lack of a drop from last week, I, I would say they, they held more steady than I think you would have assumed. And they fell under 1.5 million for the final hour, but I, I would say overall that this held up a lot better against a massive basketball game. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. So we're, we're, do you think, uh, so when, when did this, all this stuff end? When did, when did the playoffs completely end? Uh, the, well, the, I have the schedule actually, uh, right in front of me. So the, the NBA finals will be airing on, uh, ABC this year. While the Stanley Cup playoffs, they are alternating each year. They go from ABC last year and they're just on cable this year. So they'll be on TNT and then they're simulcasting them 
on TNT when there isn't a conflict and true TV as well to kind of make up the, the loss of not being on uh, network television. But the NBA playoffs, uh, the, the finals begin, I think it's tomorrow, and there's going to be at least one conflict, I believe, with Raw. Let's uh, let's pull up the schedule mm-hmm. here. So it's going to be on ABC, and we will have Game 3 airing against Dynamite next Wednesday, and then Game 4 airs against SmackDown next week. And if they go to a fifth game, that would go up against Raw on June 15th. So um, that is the... So the latest it could go is the weekend of Collision's debut on that June 18th. And then that will be done. And the Stanley Cup final will be wrapping up. I think the latest it can go is June 19th. So we're looking at about two and a half more weeks max. Mm, But but far fewer games than there were before. Yes. Yes. Because you you just have we're down to one series. Mm. Do you think it could be a a South Florida sweep Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers? Um, Sure. Yes. You you were telling me in rigorous detail why you felt the Denver Nuggets would just not have the answer for Miami. For your ears only, John. I'm going else. with Miami, and uh, I think Las Vegas beats the Panthers. That's my prediction. Maybe put some money on it. See the Leafs? They got a new GM. Kyle Dubas out. I, I did not see that. Yeah. Who's going to coach the Raptors next year? Oh, great question. Um, not Nick Nurse. Yeah, he's going to Philly, right? Or something? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good for him. He's he's gonna have a better time in Philadelphia. I think. Maybe. He was a good coach. I think the Raptors <laughs> made a mistake there. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> well, way. You know what? I as a as a big fan of Nick Nurse, I'm gonna try to be seeking out more 76ers games next Ooh. season. But you know what? I don't have a a Philadelphia television package. So I wonder where could I follow Nick Nurse and his next destination in the NBA if I wanted to uh, get all the, the I want to watch the regional games for Philadelphia. How would I how would I be able hmm. to reach such a um set of games? I would well you could pack up your bags and apply for a green card and maybe move down to Philadelphia. It would take you years. It would take you a lot of effort. You would be saying goodbye to your family and all your friends or you could simply sign up Nord VPN and just do it all virtually from the comfort of your home. Thank you to our sponsor of the show, Nord VPN. Uh, it is the best way to experience sports from around the world. And we don't necessarily have confirmation yet, especially for those of us in Canada, but where AEW Collision will be airing. So this makes it that much more likely that I will be using Nord VPN to catch every week's edition of AEW collision uh, as i do every single week use nordvpn to catch uh, anything aew through fight through aew plus it is the best way of watching aew and besides that you can also use nord to purchase subscriptions and even pay-per-views at a lower price through other countries like i did this past weekend with double or nothing all of this plus nord's robust security features protect your internet browsing from ISPs, trackers, hackers, access geo-blocked content, and escape speed limits imposed by your service provider. If you sign up right now at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you can have their exclusive offer, four extra months on top of all two-year subscriptions, or three extra months on top of all one-year subs. That is as low as $3.17 US a month for a 28-month plan. And if that is not enough, Nord also offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you are not satisfied within the month, simply ask them for your money back and they will give it to you. 
There's a reason why they keep sponsoring this show, and that seems to be because a lot of you guys tend to agree. So thank you guys who have uh, signed up through nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. And if you haven't, just give it a shot risk-free for 30 days. We thank our sponsors at Nord. Tell them John Pollock sent you. Keep yeah, John Pollock in Canada to follow the 76ers next season. You know, my first NBA jersey was a Jerry Stackhouse jersey. Well, how, did you, how did you get that? Why did you get that? Uh, NordVPN. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was – I. Uh, my dad took me to uh, the mall and he was like, I really wanted an NBA jersey. He was like, okay, go pick one. And I was like, I'm getting this one. I'm getting the Stackhouse jersey. And okay. My and one. you were a fan. And then, you know, my second one I got, I got a Bryant Big Country Reeves jersey. Wow. A collector's item now. I bet. It was actually, it, they didn't have my size. So I got a size too big and it was just, it was, it was not the best jersey. Well, they, I didn't like that one, like the 76ers one. They do call them big country. It, it was, it was, uh, but uh, th- this could have fit big country. And I was not a, I, I was a small municipality at the age of 12. So, all right, there you have it. All of the news can be found postwrestling.com slash news. Andrew Thompson, the man just, uh, he runs on batteries, just keeps on going, has some mm-hmm. information about Alexa Bliss's contract in WWE and congratulations to her and her husband. They are expecting a child uh, later mm-hmm. this year. So congrats to them. And we get into Dynamite tonight from the Viejas Arena in San Diego, California. A great, great audience uh, in San Diego tonight. Very good. Yes. Did you hear Pat McAfee take his shot at AEW on his show this week? Yes, I did. Yeah. A little. Uh, Unfortunately, very uninformed, especially with somebody like him working, you know, like having attended several WWE shows, knowing that. So explain what he said. I mean, he just, they were, they were showing like highlights of a, at a basketball game and just like, uh, empty, like seats behind the players who were practicing. And he made a crack about, you know, when, when you're looking, uh, on the, the hard camera side, that's a photo you don't want out there. And AEW learned this the other night when they had a, an arena that was three quarters empty. I mean, you can, uh, critique the, uh, the heat for that crowd at the T-Mobile arena, but they did have close to 11,000 people in that building. And I mean, let's be, uh, mm-hmm. anyway, petty shot, but I mean, that's, I mean, well, he's a, he's an employee of the that, WWE. That's so it. What you're going to, you're going to get these back and forth. So mm. they will always happen. Show open with the BCC Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, who are on their way to Japan this weekend taking on the Lucha Brothers and Bandito with Brian Danielson on commentary. And Bandito was dressed up, my best description, like a Care Bear. Actually, I want to thank John Cena for this because he actually informed us that he was dressed up as El Chapulán Colorado, who was a famous Mexican comedian from the 70s, or I should say comedy show or movie, forgive me, uh, John Cena from the 70s. And Cena informed me that his mother used to watch it, so he remembered it from his childhood. Okay. And he felt tonight was the night to pay tribute. Well, is there any better night than being in San Diego? No, no. He had this giant B on his chest, and then uh, and then he took this off later. Danielson also explained what death jitsu is, Way, Did you ever learn death jitsu? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that was part of the uh, technical wrestling in violent ways. Huh? Yeah. Um. How how many people? <laughs> I shouldn't even say. The, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if uh, you know, their kids program would be uh, all too popular. Death Jitsu. Yeah. No. No taps. 
No, so just just like, death. Yeah, I don't know how their signups would really be after all the the death. It's not a great business plan. They brawl around the ring before the bell, and dude, Danielson was so great. Um, Bandito lifts up Yuta, and we're doing the big count all the way up to forty as the Lucha Brothers fight off uh, Moxley and Castagnoli, and Danielson screaming, "Knee his head, knee his head," <laughs> and then. Uh, criticizes Bandito for a lackadaisical cover on Bandito. And they asked, where are the elite tonight? I don't see them. And they were in, they were in the back. We would see them later. So they attack Bandito with a spike pile driver beat on him. It's Phoenix that gets a super hot tag from this crowd. And it was just great throughout this uh, whole stretch. We see a 21 plex stopped when Moxley is on the apron European uppercut to Bandito from the floor by Castagnoli. Busaiku knee from Yuta, as Danielson notes that he taught him it. And then we get the downward elbows by Yuta onto, um, it's, uh, who is this on? Bandito. And then he mm-hmm. applies the seatbelt for the victory in 11 minutes. And Danielson just with his arms raised in the air. Who is the best? And he goes down to raise Yuta's arm. And man, the, what a job they have done with Wheeler Yuta uh, over just this past week from the man having to do neck bridges on the mountains in Vegas to pinning Kenny Omega and then getting the win for his team. And now he goes over to dominion. So what's his role in dominion? He's to, Oh, sorry. Yuta is not. It is. It's Moxley, Claudio and Shota. Shota. It's not Yuta. Um, is right. not part of that. let the man rest for the weekend. Oh, he's probably working those house shows. What am I saying? You know, um, I think I thought this was a great solidification of Yuta's push that really did begin over at uh, Anarchy in the Arena, both through the match and with Brian Danielson on commentary. I thought Danielson, I mean, we just talked about the CWC where, you know, these talents were, were displayed week after week. And that's no different here. He's fantastic on commentary because he's so specific about his intention. And his intention here was to continue to put the spotlight onto Wheeler Yuta, talking about his training of Wheeler Yuta, um, talking about what he's doing well, what he does not do as well. But the focus is on Wheeler Yuta. And I thought this match ended up expanding that spotlight to a, a good degree as well. So I, I love the combination between the two teams here. You know, you had, of course, your incredible acrobatics, but also B- BCC's like very death jitsu technical violence, just wonderfully meshed together. I love this like team of these luchadors. Um, I don't know how long like the Lucha Brothers have been teaming with Bandito, but like carrying on from what they did at the battle Royal, um, I think works right now because all of them are kind of in need of an identity and to pair them together. I think I hope to see more of that. There's no reason this trios championship uh, division cannot be a main event title. Um, mm, totally. Some of the trios that they, they have Marvez is with the bucks and hangman page and is being Matt's being checked on by a trainer and Matt explains how the BCC bring out the worst in them. And I never thought I would see the day where I would try to melt a man's face off with an explosive sneak sneaker. But alas, here we are. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've never thought about that either. No. I mean, this is the man pretty much like built a bomb for his shoe. Like this was like premeditated, like attempted murder here. Like did, did, so did he do this? Did he load this boot before the match or did he do it sometime between getting pile driven in the truck and then coming back to the ring? I mean, what, what detonates it? Was it just contact? Because I would think that he had to have attached it. Like, how did he, like, what set it off? Is it like he was walking down to the ring? Did that not like explode? Like maybe there's a special button where the big toe is and he had to like, especially, you know, click the big toe. Um, 
All I don't I'm know. Say is like the next time the Bucks put out their next line of, of shoes. I don't know if those sneakers are going to sell so well when you have this as a, your marketing technique. I don't know if he's going to have a great time at TSA. You know, going through through, through uh, you know uh, uh, the security check, looking for su- suspicious things in his shoes. He's going to have to take his shoes off every Dude, the time. The metal detector might go off on his foot. Perhaps. Maybe it's yeah. a secret power now that he's developed. Just the ability to combust through a limb. Yeah, like you know, we have, Jericho's got a fireball, but mm-hmm. dude, I've got a exploding a bomb foot. in my shoe. Yeah, that's quite the mutant superpower. I don't think X Men have ever done that. Hangman's explaining how BCC relies on the numbers game, and before he can go on with what their answer to that numbers uh, advantage is, they are interrupted by the Dark Order. But John Silver says that Hangman is too busy with his new friends. And Paige says that's not it. He goes to explain, but he's stopped by Alex Marvez, who has a follow-up question about the rumor that Kenny Omega has gone back to Canada. And Hangman explains Kenny is out of the country, but he's not in Canada. And I would think that this would seem to be a potential that you could see Kenny on Sunday at Dominion. Oh, very interesting. I didn't think it would be this fa- this soon that that you would see that uh, Kenny Omega integration. I mean, I just took it to mean he's going to Japan to find some friends. Um, but well, you're it's right. just you could. I would think once Dominion is done, that's when we're going to start to get the full build for Forbidden Door. I think they're kind of handicapped this week until Dominion is over, and it would make sense that you know if if Okada is getting beaten down or something because Don Callis made a very big emphasis on Okada later yep. in his promo that you no know, Kenny they've established now you're left to assume he's in uh, Japan and Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I could totally see him doing an appearance on Sunday. I think that would be wonderful. I mean, Dominion has, uh, you know, their second biggest show show of the year and, and uh, would be a wonderful way to just generate buzz for forbidden door. So that sounds great. Shivani, a throwback to the mid nineties promoted the, the replay of double or nothing on pay-per-view catch the replay. He brought out Jay White and Juice Robinson, who insulted FTR, who are Southern and look and sound dumb. So FTR comes out. They don't want to be part of Bullet Club Gold. So Juice nails Dax with a roll of quarters. So we we went from like mid-90s to uh, like mid-70s here. And then it's a two-on-one attack when Ricky Starks chases them away. So Dax is out from the roll of quarters. Cash was hit with a Blade Runner. And Starks clears the ring, challenging Jay White, the punk-ass bitch, to another match, which they are going to have on Dynamite next Wednesday. I, I thought this was actually a, a pretty entertaining segment, and I thought that um, Jay White and Juice against FTR is a nice direction for the tag titles, and you've got Ricky Starks kind of involved here with his own feud, but an alliance, too, with FTR. Seems like they'll wrap up you know, the, the Jay White, um, Ricky Starks, Starks aspect next week, and then maybe move on to this FTR program, but um, we've been waiting for a few weeks, I think, to you know, for Dynamite at least to have a, 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 like a big in-ring Jay White promo segment. I didn't think the verbiage was really all that great. I, I wasn't actually that impressed with the promo itself, but I thought the physicality was really good. I really liked the uh, imagery from the Fistful of Quarters. I've seen people do the Fistful of Quarters spot, but I've never seen the quarters explode in this manner upon punch. Forget exploding shoes, you know, exploding quarters from a fist just as visually impressive and uh you know this uh, ended up i think generating a good amount of interest for this upcoming program tony khan announced the return of cm punk and as we said a a loud reaction when they said cm punk and but as it continued it was a mixed reaction for sure. Like you had your cheers, mm-hmm. but you definitely had your dissenters as well. And man, they were just cutting to whatever CM Punk shirts they could find. Like they, they were looking for 
pro CM Punk uh, fans in the crowd. Yeah, and I don't think they 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 should necessarily hide the reaction. I think the mixed reaction is good. Like, if anything, it makes him just just that much more uh, of an anticipated controversial figure. You know, show an equal amount of booze and an equal amount of cheers. Um, I think it's all positive. Trent Beretta, Big Bill, and Swerve Strickland. So they were the the final three uh, before Orange Cassidy won the Battle Royal on Sunday. Uh, Swerve used a kick did, to break. Now, did, did they say that this was for any sort of championship match or, or was it just a match? Because the winner ended up getting so, a, a, a match. But the winner is getting uh international title shot. So um, right. they might have mentioned in passing the winner gets the next shot. Swerve kick breaks up a cover by Big Bill. Um Big Bill, I think, g- continues to, you know, Hold his weight in all of these. Is that is that the correct Trent Beretta spelling? It's not um, B E R, or is this a? a <laughs> I don't know. Trent. It had always been B E R in the past, but you're I right. Maybe. I mean, at least Wikipedia has B E R E. So you you've caught a spelling mistake live uh, in person here. Oh, well, look at that. Uh, Trent hits a flying knee to swerve, and then there's a pile driver. Bill choke slams Trent into the ring, and then a swerve stomp to Bill on the edge takes him out, and he pins Trent with a crucifix in eight minutes and 54 seconds, setting up Orange Cassidy and swerve for Dynamite next week. Yeah. I, I feel like we don't often see these sort of three-way matches um, on AEW television, but I really like the dynamic here because it put a lot of emphasis on Big Bill essentially fighting off two smaller men. Uh, but, you know, despite all like all of that, it, it was really good shine for Big Bill, but it ultimately pushed Swerve as sort of like the smart opportunist, which was the character he's been playing this whole time, um, and, you know, continued from a really, really great, half a match he had at the battle royal so i'm i'm really looking forward to this rematch yeah i i think this is going to be a great match next week and i think people have a believable a believable challenger in, in swerve strickland that next yeah. week could be the switch if you wanted to execute it. and i don't think people would be uh averse to that that cho- that option there was a video on chris statlander again this was another um Great video they put up on YouTube. It's 18 minutes in length, and we got about 30 seconds here. I'm really disappointed that I I guess they got a great segment with Don Callis, but that sit down with Jim Ross, it felt as though it was just done for, I mean, yes, you have your audience on YouTube, but it feels as though it's just, it exists in the ether. And if you catch it, great. But to me, it does not grab, um, it just doesn't hold the significance. And I, I haven't seen the, uh, the Chris Statlander video, but, uh, someone at AEW had sent it to me and, uh, I imagine, um, thought it was worth watching. So it sounds yeah. like it was a nice feature. I, I you know, the, the callous one, I, I, I can't necessarily explain. Maybe, maybe they shot it and didn't realize it would be as good as it, it was. Something tells me that like maybe he was going to get into a deeper explanation, um, on, on the episode where he was supposed to speak before he got cut off. But anyway, it's, it's over. I do tend to agree that I, I wish AEW would give a bit more time for these pre-produced interviews. You know, right now these are edited basically into like, oh, what, 15 second, 20 yeah. second highlight. This is a happy medium. We're not arguing for the 18 minutes to air. Um, mm-hmm. But if you could get even like a solid, like two, I think like that's something. It's, I think it's what they did so quick. I think what they did with like the Seth Rollins series of interviews, like, you know, intersplicing them throughout the, the show in short segments. I, I really enjoyed that. You know, that's even a, a tactic you can use for a rampage. I think there is a concern about the non wrestling content that they want to minimize it at, at all costs. Like they, I understand. But is it like is is it really that bad? I, I I mean, you know, people who follow the quarters would know better than me. 
I mean, I mean, this, it's almost as though it's, it's tough. Like, even if you're getting the quarters, it's like this, you need like almost the minute by minute to see. And like, my argument has always been that this is okay. So what this dips, but of those people that watch this, is this, does this pay dividends down the road? Yeah. Like, like look at some of your, like, granted, this is not like one of your all time greatest uh, segments of all time, but some of those legendary sit downs of the past that, okay, maybe it dipped here, but this was serving, uh, a larger master that mm-hmm. would have an impact. I really liked um, how Statlander said here, even in this short amount of time. I, I think, um, again, she I said wasn't she's re- going to have the greatest title reign ever. I think is what she said. Um, how the do you best title that? reign anyone has ever seen? And I don't know if she was being just specific to this title because that would just be one person. Did so she? She, did, she has high she, hopes. Is she referring to the modern era or all time? I'm going to have the greatest title reign since 2005 of any champion. <laughs> I really liked uh, her voice here. Um, you know, I, I, again, I wasn't a big fan of, of the quick win from a baby face against the weakened opponent, but I really do like the authentic character and voice they're allowing her to speak in. And, you know, like the whole alien thing had, she was, she was shedding already a long time ago, but this seems to ground her to an even greater extent. It is, and this is especially true. If you listen to the press conference where, um, a lot of people tend to be in character and she could have very well, you know, fit her dialogue, um, as part of her character, but it helps that I'm sure the character is very much like who she actually is right now because she spoke, uh, to, to some like, uh, degree of like talking about, um, her lack of self-confidence for this role. Even now, having held the championship, she needs to prove that she's deserving of it not just to the to the audience but to herself as well and i think that level of sort of like vulnerability is wonderful material for a baby face especially one coming off of the ultra confident jade you know so i again i i kind of hate that she got there without a proper fight but i do love the choice and direction of this current character Renee interviewed the, the acclaimed and daddy ass, and essentially, uh, Billy is taking the blame for the loss on Sunday, and Max explains, we win as a team, we lose as a team, and Bowen says that we were screwed out of gold, and Billy Gunn deserves to hold the gold one more time and getting the audience to cheer, and that's their mission, to win a championship for Billy Gunn so that he can have one more title reign as he approaches 60. Mm. So they are still after the trios championships after a rematch against the House of Black. So yeah. maybe this this time they'll use the dealer's choice. That would be a wise choice. Um, you can only win with the famouser. Sure. You can only win if you are this old. <laughs> What's the extent of how creative you can get with your dealer's choice? Yeah. Do they have to say yes to anything you propose? Like you have to be blindfolded. We'll see. We'll see. People have not taken advantage of this dealer's choice very well. Tony Schiavone says it is sick. It makes me sick to my stomach to say this man's name as he welcomes Don Callis with such disdain in his voice with Konosuke Takeshita. And man, this audience just was on top of Don Callis. It was a great atmosphere. And he Mm. is just screaming through it, said that he hopes these boos are for Kenny Omega and they get so louder. (laughs) He's the real victim. He's got to look at this scar every morning and blames Omega for this. Not the guy who delivered this to him. Moxley's in the clear. This is Kenny's fault, this scar. And he destroyed my family. I lost a nephew, but I gained a son, (laughs) his son, Konosuke Callis. And (laughs) 
This man is better than Ricky Dawson, better than Anoki, better than Akira Maeda, Mudo, and he's better than Okada, and he's definitely better than Kenny Omega. And Takeshita goes to speak. He's drowned out as well, and Callus is building a new family and is going to cut the elite out of AEW, which is a very interesting story for this year with Kenny and uh, the Young Bucks as well. But man, what an awesome segment this was. Um, as I used the term earlier, this was Dom Callus. Very good. Very good. Wonderful atmosphere. San Diego played their part really well. And honestly, if you're callous and AEW, you couldn't have asked for a better backdrop for a first heel segment for Konosuke Takeshita. Um, maybe one of the most interesting things coming out of this is the Okada tease. So seems like a likely candidate along with Kota Ibushi for uh, members that Kenny might be bringing over. So we'll see what sort of interaction they'll all have. Yeah. Great, great segment. Wardlow and Arn reflected on the latter match with Wardlow stating, now they know what he's willing to do, and there's no limits to how far he will go, and challenges Luchasaurus if he wants another crack. Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen, who are quickly becoming a super entertaining tag team together, mm-hmm. took on Bishop Khan and Toa Leona, the Gates of Agony. And this was uh, Darby Allen getting destroyed for most of this. Brian Cage and Swerve came out with Prince Nana to watch on the stage. And Darby gets destroyed throughout the break. And we see um, an attempt by Darby to come off the middle rope. And he takes a pounce from Toa in yeah, midair. Awesome. I mean, man, Mount Everest does not seem as daunting as this on paper. Mm-hmm. Holy yes. Christ. So he needs, Cass- to write a, he needs to write a will for that. Cassidy gets the tag and he goes, he puts the hands in the pockets and makes his comeback. There's a lariat from the front and the back by the gates of agony to Cassidy. Darby makes the save. Toa is sent off the apron with an orange punch. And then after a stun dog to Khan and a code red from Darby, it's orange Cassidy diving onto Toa and the coffin drop pinning Khan and orange Cassidy and Darby Allen get a win. They, they are a great tag team together. Mm-hmm. It's, um, Dude, Orange Cassidy is putting a, a hell of a resume together for 2023. Yeah. I mean, this guy's going to have a serious conversation uh, for wrestler of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been years now that like he's been recognized as not just a gimmicky act, but like a great wrestler. But I think there were still doubts about whether or not he could like you could tell a, a sustained story with him with a title. And he's more than shown that you're capable of telling a story with an Orange Cassidy um, that that's lasted for months. It is the best title reign right now in AEW. Um, and he just seems to be doing no wrong right now. And you have Darby Allen on the other side, who I think is a very similar homegrown AEW talent that is just as over with the audience, you know, with as much upside. And I was going to say youth, but like, Dar- you know, Orange Cassidy is like, you know, what, what mid thirties or something still young, but like, he looks a lot younger than he actually is. Um, D- Darby is also going to wake up exceptionally old one day at yeah. the age of like 35. Yeah, yeah. But a really fun tag match. Um, I like Khan and Leona a lot. Great intensity. They feel Khan like had a really nice match with Dustin Rhodes a few weeks ago on on Rampage. It's mm-hmm. uh, like both of them have have improved and they they should be doing this on on Ring of Honor. But you could just see if you have not been watching Ring of Honor and just see them here, like you can certainly see like the presence has been there, especially for Toa, but they're 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 working as big men and you had great opponents here in Cassidy and Darby. And I'm very curious to see with orange Cassidy. I, I thought it was very interesting that they put him out on the press conference on Sunday as well as sort of, you know, and he's still playing the orange Cassidy character, but I mean, that's, 
it, it to me tells them that they, they want to expand this guy. And I think seeing him in a role where he can be a lot higher than people have pegged him having a ceiling. I don't think this guy mm-hmm. necessarily has a ceiling. I think you can see him as a future world champion. I don't think that's crazy at all after this. Swerve and Cage walk down and they surround the ring and Sting arrives to an enormous pop and they take over the ring and they keep the Gates of Agony, Cage and Swerve out. So what's the match coming out of this? You think? Oh, Sting and Toa. <laughs> Probably um, something. I mean, you would think Sting, like potentially this could be Forbidden Door of some sort or... I mean, it would be not so much facing like the gates of agony and such, but the alliance of Sting, Darby, and Orange Cassidy mm-hmm. against so, another team. And maybe this is like a setup six man, and then they get the House of Torture at Forbidden Door. Ooh, maybe Sting joins the House of Torture. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Perhaps. Um, so, it, you know, it seems like a lot of these um, supporting acts of the four pillars are making their way back. We're going to be kind of talking about a reunion between Jack Perry and Hook that that's picking back up from before um, this built to to uh, double or nothing. And Sting, um, dad has shown back up after kind of missing for about four, two months. So let's see where it goes. MJF did a pro a post-match promo from Sunday calling Darby an emo bitch and that Tony Khan is running out of gladiators for him to slay. Nobody is on the level of the devil. Hook is brought out for uh, with Tony Schiavone, and before he can be asked about what's next, uh, La Faction Ingobernable interrupt, led by Jose, and state that Preston Vance and Dralistico have not got the opportunities that Hook has, nor the television time. Roosh, they state, is too dangerous for TV, so he's not here. And they go to attack Hook. Jack Perry comes out, and we get the uh, the reunion of Jack Perry and Hook as uh, Jack Perry fights them off with a chair. And uh, they were the men in black here. Um, I guess so. Jack Perry was all in black, and they took. Oh, okay. This is a, a dated still, right? Uh, reforming a reforming of Jungle Hook. I mean, this was. I always thought there was a lot more life in this team, and now that Perry's kind of done with his detour through the four pillars, um, I'm glad that they're reuniting this. I'm glad Hook is out of this like uh, Mad Hardy contract uh, shit. Um, I think the team is. What, what a follow up to all that the the contract after Sunday. Uh, that might be a rampage story um, that they'll pick up on in a 30 second vignette. But, you know, uh, I think this team is great, honestly, for the both of them. Let's Perry do more talking, you know, because he's partnered with, with a guy who doesn't speak at all. I think their in-ring styles complement each other really well. So and um, this might give some sort of explanation as to why Roosh beat Jack Perry so badly in that go home show to uh, Forbidden Door. Is so that that may, maybe they they could pick this feud back up with Rush and LFI versus Jungle Hook. Renee interviewed the Outcasts and uh, Tony Storm just did a um, heel promo about uh, no one no one's good enough. Yeah, um, yeah this was um, this was as endearing as uh, her press conference, uh, which was yeah. pretty much the exact same character she was playing for the press conference as she was here. And like, I guess they were trying to promote the house shows this weekend and basically said, there's no one good enough to even carry my bags. So that's your cell to go to the house shows to see Tony storm. 
Yeah. Like no opponent is set up for her at the house rules. Well, no lo- no location, John. Like no, they, they, they didn't they even tell, tell you where where you can go watch her, much less who she's facing. And there's not even anyone to carry her bags, so she won't even be bringing her gear because no one can even carry her bags for these house shows. <laughs> I thought this segment sucked. It, I, granted, it was a minute, but I just thought it was. What purpose did this serve? I love the fact that they are acknowledging the existence of house rules and that um, these house shows matter um but i i i i think they only mentioned them and didn't really mention anything else how somebody could possibly see it who she was going to face i could understand if like the opponent is of such insignificance that you know it it doesn't matter to mention but then why would you even mention house rules at all i was pretty disappointed by this promo let's remember everybody this was a championship victory speech okay it should have been um Yes, granted, it probably was not one that was planned, but that doesn't mean they should take advantage of it and have this be a big celebratory, you know, like moment for for the outcasts and and, and for Tony Storm in particular. But instead, these promos from this faction have pretty much always been awful. They're over the top heels that are just, I think, really lacking in creativity or thoughtfulness in their identities. And instead, they resort to these like generic heel cliches, like, you know, saying the audience should be grateful for their presence. And I just thought it was really weak and unfortunately made this title feel insignificant and there there was no direction. There was no opponent to build up. There was no match to sell. It was like cut a heel promo for a minute. Well, what, what am I promoting? We don't know. Like that yeah. was you, you had to fill a minute as a heel. So you just had a like by the numbers heel promo that mentions house rules. But it would be like, um, hey, come to my party on Saturday night and then I leave and it's well, where's where's the party? I, I'd love to come. Yeah, That's how I felt. Yeah. Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose, TBS Championship. Chris Statlander's first defense of the TBS title. Uh, we go through the break. Chris is yanked off the top by the leg, and then Statlander is hit by a cannonball off the apron. Another in the ring, followed by a choke slam before she comes back and manages the 450 at the end to retain the title in eight minutes, five seconds. Good reaction from the crowd and Taya Valkyrie watching in the back, looking. Uh, frustrated so it would seem that a uh, tie of valkyrie still in the mix for the tbs title but no jade cargill on the show no i do really like the story of like taya feeling like she basically did all the work in setting up a victory for it's, a, it's a good way to, to go about things yeah it's I a agree. good way of like semi justifying why chris statlander has such an easy route to the victory you know if they're going to tell the story afterwards um I do think there are better ways of like getting to a Statlander versus Taya match, but you know what? Listen, this, this, this could work out. I thought Statlander looked pretty good. You know, you would figure she'd be a little bit timid coming off of the injury, but she, she did not look timid at all. She, she used her knees a whole lot in this match. You could see the two big knee braces, but she was not afraid to use them. Great looking 450. I love the fact that she uses American Sign Language before and after her matches. You know, this is like the first wrestling persona I've seen at least on a big stage, use that on a regular basis and it immediately makes her a hero to a huge portion of the population that probably feels un- unseen in, in professional wrestling. I love it. Gives her a unique identity and a backstory and just furthers her connection with the crowd. And I thought Nyla Rose was like a perfect opponent to give her like that initial boost of credibility because Nyla is always a credible contender because of her size and um Statlander as like the under underdog like looked impressive in you know doing those uh, oh, uh, uh blue thunder driver and things mm-hmm. like that so I'm uh, like I'm way more excited now at this TBS title run than I am of the actual title well rampage on Friday night it's battle of the belts it's an all championship showdown in uh 
the mega championship from Triple A will be defended by El Hio del Vikingo against Commander and Drillistico. Willow Nightingale defends the strong women's championship against Amy Sakura. Zack Sabre Jr. against Action Andretti for the New Japan Television Championship. And Katsuyori Shibata against Lee Moriarty for the ROH Pure Title. Uh, this lineup was enough that way I have decided we're going to review Rampage uh, this Friday night. So we will go live at 11 on Friday night. So that's uh, Rampage. Rampage has pulled us in for this. Like, Friday. what the hell? <laughs> you know, <laughs> clearly Tony was listening or he was just waiting for these sports to end. T- uh, Rampage gets back to his regular time slot and it's getting back to it in a big way. This is achieving something that Rampage has not achieved in months maybe you know like it, it felt it feels like it's i i mean is it a must see i mean you know none of these title matches i think are resulting in championship changes but it's they they found a great cast you know of guys that have a lot of internet buzz but aren't necessarily like tv stars and you're not necessarily sacrificing your dynamites um, nor, you know, your upcoming collisions by putting on a, a, a Vikingo or Willow Nightingale or Zack Sabre Jr. or Katsuyori Shibata. This is the type of match you'd probably more likely see on an ROH, but it's way better, better served on Rampage. I agree. Like this to me is what you would be shooting for on a Rampage. I And I wouldn't even be like deterred if they like. I think you should have measured expectations for what this does on Friday because you, you are rebuilding this audience on Friday night. But I think consistent lineups like this like if you're looking at rampage as let's let's be honest a a b show until collision comes that you're looking like there's nothing that's going to be earth shattering storyline wise but this to me is servicing that audience that wants another hour of AEW, and this is this is a great lineup a great there are tiers of fandom you know and when you're like booking and dynamite you're trying to attract people that are watching the big bang theory who might not give a shit about katsuri shibata for Rampage, I think the strategy should be to try to cater to the fan that needs more and wants more. And you have to make that time worthwhile for those fans. And I think this lineup really does feel like it's achieving that. Main event is Dr. Britt Baker and Adam Cole against Chris Jericho and Soraya. And Jericho trips Baker from the floor. This gets a lot of heat. Again, this was a great crowd in San Diego all night long. Cole goes after him, but is stopped by the referee. And then Tony Storm and Ruby Soho run down, stomping Baker as Paul Turner deals with Jericho. So Sheeta comes down with the kendo stick, removing both of them. Jericho covers Soraya to shield her, but Baker comes off the top anyway with a splash onto both Jericho and Soraya. We see the walls applied to Cole, and then Baker puts the lockjaw onto Chris Jericho, and Jericho was just great, just swarming here and selling the lockjaw, and it's a huge pop as she applies it, and Soraya breaks up the submission. There's a code breaker on Cole, and Jericho gets the bat, but he's hit with a super kick, then a double super kick from Cole and Baker, and in comes Cole with the boom, pinning Chris Jericho in 13 minutes and 32 seconds. It's uh, I know that there, there are uh, people out there that do not um, that will be critical of a Chris Jericho, but my God has this guy, you could argue this guy has put over too many people that he's at a point now where um, like he has been like, just he loses to this guy on Sunday it, it, with a stoppage. Then he puts him over completely clean here and uh, like I would argue, like you don't want Jericho to be losing so frequently here, but man, you cannot criticize that they are trying to get Cole up to that next level, and Jericho is the one that is trying to get him to the place they want him as as a top a top tier babyface. 
I think that if there are criticisms of, you know, like current criticisms of, of Chris Jericho, it's not necessarily like whether or not he's willing to job to people. The, the man lost to Action Andretti and lost to Ricky Starks multiple times. So I don't think it, that that's an issue at all. It's more so, I think, the entertainment value um, of, of the current programs and maybe the duration of the programs. Um, I think this coupled with this, like one of the principal complaints I, I actually heard about the Sun, Sunday show, a lot of people were mentioning the Cole and Jericho match, whether the perplexing finish or maybe the content of the match itself. And that's rather unfortunate because I would strike this as like two rather flat programs now for Chris Jericho uh, in Ricky Starks and also Adam Cole. Um and I, I don't, I don't know if I would classify the program as flat because I think like the beatdown of, of, of Brit and the build up to it, like I, I didn't think this was like some terrible program in the lead up. I think it was the, the match was a disappointment. Um, but at the, at the end of it, I, I would say like this match to me felt like this could have been the pay per view match because I, I thought this got over much better than the unsanctioned match on, on Sunday. Perhaps, yeah. Um, I, you know, wh- whatever. And I, I, I kind of feel like people are ready to see this one move on, and this felt like a pretty definitive win. I, I think there are more interesting opponents for the both of them. And if you're Chris Jericho, it might be time to look at another character, like another refreshing. What's the next iteration of Chris Jericho? It's kind of unfortunate we put such expectations on the guy. You know, most characters, like most wrestlers just have one identity or maybe yeah. two for their entire career. Jericho kind of like we're expecting. Where, him to where's change. this pressure on Randy Orton? <laughs> exactly. But we expect more from Chris Jericho, don't we? And, and I think he himself expects more from, 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 from him. So I'm, I, I think he could capture the audience's attention again, but he's definitely going through, I would say, a more critical spell right now. Well, that was Dynamite, and I thought it was a great show. I thought it was a great crowd, really strong show coming off of the the pay-per-view. And I would say, like, yes, you had the punk announcement, so you had a lot of like buzz coming off of this because of that announcement. But um, this, this was just a really entertaining show, and it looks like you're probably going to get a pretty great one hour on Friday night with with Rampage, which is being taped as we speak. I, I very much agree. I, I thought tonight's show was good. Um, as a follow up to Double or Nothing, I think it was really good, good for setting up new directions heading into Forbidden Door and beyond. Um, there were several teases about, you know, incoming, uh, Japanese, uh, wrestlers and, in, in, in the elite feud. Um, I thought they gave appropriate shine to people like Wheeler Yuta coming off of Double or Nothing that just continue to bolster their, uh, credibility. Same with Chris Statlander. I, really impressive win following that win on, uh, on Sunday. Um, I'm, I, I thought this was a positive show and I think the future direction looks pretty good. Okay. Let's go to feedback and then we're going to be uh, wrapping up and jumping onto the, uh, the post wrestling cafe. Again, if you would like to go to post wrestling cafe.com, you can jump on board. Uh, $6 gets you, um, at least a month of access and you can follow along tonight as we chat dark side of the ring episode one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, we've, we've done this in the past where like we go live specifically for the cafe members right afterwards. And it's great. It's a great opportunity for us to talk shit about everybody else. The way is just foul mouthed once we get onto the cafe. So you can check yeah. out all of that and we'll have a, as well, a, a programming note, uh, before the end of this show for next week. So let's go to feedback and any super chats that we have with. Uh, no super chats, but that doesn't mean we don't love everybody watching us live here at youtube.com slash post wrestling. We also love the people listening to us at forum.postwrestling.com and all of you patrons, including you, Robbie from London, Ontario, who says, with all the talk of the ratings of Vanderpump Rules, my fiance Alicia wanted to explain it 
all to the post audience. Midway through the season of Vanderpump Rules, two principal cast members were revealed to be having an affair. The season finale reunion episode last week and part two of the reunion are showing the aftermath of the affair and the cast's thoughts and feelings about the whole thing. Like AEW, the backstage stuff is what is making things more interesting. Yeah, I I, I was actually looking into this today. So tonight was part two of the reunion Robbie mentions. Next week is part three of the reunion. And then the following week is like secrets revealed from the previous, from this past season of Vanderpump Rules. So dude, they are squeezing every ounce of juice out of this season of Vanderpump Rules and good on them. It's a giant hit this season, but that is uh, where they are are at. I was getting like cursory information about the, this, this affair, but um, thank you, hmm. Alicia, for enlightening us. Jordan from the Bronx, really impressed with Big Bill. I didn't see much of his impact run, but his AEW one has been solid with him delivering in a big spotlight the past week. Swerve's heel run has been all over the place. He's a great character, amazing in the ring, but he didn't seem to have a focus until double or nothing. I'm rooting for him to win the title from Cassidy. BCC are easily my favorite faction in the company. Yuta is the kid under the learning tree of militant Papa Brian, crazy Uncle Mox, and protective Big Brother Swiss. Uh, glad to see Statlander back in the company and Nyla Rose on TV. Nyla's used as a mini boss for a new babyface champion to beat, and hopefully Collision will grant her more time. If it were up to you, how would you go about Punk's first appearance on Collision? Would you have him cut a promo for sympathy as a babyface, perhaps with an apology? Must be as loud as the disrespect theme. Or would you have him pull an apologize to absolutely nobody and go full heel? Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know if it's really up for anybody to decide but CM Punk himself in what he's willing to, to say in the public. What, let's ask this. Which one is... Um, uh, I, most, I don't think that Chicago crowd wants to hear him apologize. Right. Which one is most beneficial to making money? Um, I think the non-apology. I think so, too. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I think at most... like I, I am not expecting it to be... Um, it would be hard to avoid, but I, I don't think it's going to be... Um, like I think he, he's not going to most. Pipe bomb. It's going to be like uh, subtly referred to. I don't think you can get away from that. But it could also just be uh, to those that have always backed me, yeah. and I know that Chicago has. Thank you. Um, like that yeah. could be it. And this crowd's gonna they're gonna just eat up whatever he says and be behind him. And it's the subsequent weeks that will be interesting. Agreed. I don't think he'll be pipe bombing the elite or any anything like that. Um, number one because that would entail them going to the elite program right away. And I don't see that happening for quite a bit. So you, you know um, who the heels are going to be in that promo in, in lieu of the elite. Who's that? It's going to be us. It's going to be the media. the media. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even kidding about Brian that. Alvarez. Watch out. I think like Pipe that's going to be his head. direction. I I could totally see that being uh at least a, a line in there. Okay. Um, the, the, the terrible media. I can't wait to review that. Okay. Let's, uh, Finish up here but, uh, with Dave. Dave, Dave from Toronto says, as the rare fan of <laughs> I love this. As the rare fan of both wrestling and Vanderpump rules, I want to help explain why VPR has been such a ratings juggernaut recently. Okay. Because well, we'll, we'll, it's got an acronym now to it. VPR. Uh the reason is because of a major Okay, so unfortunately you're a little late, Dave, but um the news was so shocking and reaction online was so strong that it forced production to pick back up early in order to capture the drama. The past few weeks have been leading up to the on screen reveal of the affair with fans looking for clues of the infidelity on screen with a fine tooth comb. The season finale was two weeks ago, and tonight was episode two of the three-part reunion. Right. There were even two Vanderpump rule signs shown in the crowd on tonight's Dynamite. One that read, I'm missing VPR for this, and the other was, the Don Callis is a worm with glasses sign, which is a paraphrased insult one of the other VPR castmates hurled at Tom, Tom Sandoval. 
calling him a worm with a mustache. Okay. Well, I appreciate the the Vanderpump Rules updates. It gives us a better insight into the show. That mm-hmm. I'm surprised why you haven't fallen into this show. I'm a little surprised too. This seems like it would be right up my alley, but I I I'm not interested at all. Um well, yeah. we're we're too late. The season's up. Mm-hmm. The season in the series is also up for succession. And if you want to hear Way and I chat with Braden and Davey, it is up now for free on the Poison Rana feed. I believe I did this today. I I have a I have a bit of a memory. Of You're going to rewatch Succession next Sunday and realize you had already seen it and done a podcast about it. You know what's funny? As busy as this week was, I did watch that finale twice. Oh, okay. Good for you. I me- I meant to, but unfortunately I couldn't. But I did like listen to a lot of like uh, podcasts about it. I-, I did like reading up of articles about it. Some really great material out, th- out there. But the number one you should be seeking is, of course, Poison Rana Pods, The Sesh, with me, Braden Harrington, John Pollock talking about the season finale of succession uh, a great time was had i love talking about the show uh and Brady, uh, davy does a great job you know uh wrapping up uh, the entire season so sign up to poison rana pod right now wherever you download your podcast low down davy p in the house <laughs> and <laughs> that's it also coming up this week so uh, brandon thurston and i will be live thursday at one eastern chatting with evan husney on friday night we will go live at 11 p.m eastern here on the cafe following smackdown and rampage saturday brandon thurston will be with wh park on the long and winding royal road chatting toshiaki kawada and gary albright from october of 1995 and then wednesday it's uh it's more brandon we've got brandon thurston hosting wrestlenomics radio with uh with uh chris gullo and then sunday Afternoon, evening, we will have Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson with a review of Dominion, which looks like a great card coming up on uh, on Sunday as well. But getting ahead of ourselves for post-cafe members next week, it is the return of the watch-along. And yes, we have Brandon from New Jersey locked in. We will be doing our live watch-along next Thursday night, June the 8th. But where do you come in? We do not have something to watch. So what we are looking for is your suggestions, preferably something um, max an hour is kind of the time we're looking for. And we're looking for creative submissions. And we will announce this on Monday uh, during Rewind a Raw, what we are going to be picking. This is not a vote. So if 100 people pick something that we don't want to watch, we are not choosing that. Uh, we are looking for something that is uh, interesting, entertaining, and that people want to hear us uh, watch live. So where would be best way for people to throw in their ideas? I mean, there are a lot of places you could reach us, but I would invite people to leave a comment either within our YouTube chat or uh, comment section, uh, or you could even send an email old school info at postwrestling.com. Let us know what you would like us to watch along in the post wrestling cafe. Uh, of course, we're semi available, I guess via t- Twitter as well, but I would say those two are probably the best platforms. Okay, so preferably in the YouTube comments, or you can shoot us an email. We'll announce Monday uh, what the three of us will be watching. So that's next Thursday night for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. And now, once again, we're jumping on over to the cafe, postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com to chat the first episode of Season 4 of Dark Side of the Ring, Chris and Tammy. So we will see you over on the other side. And if not, man, are you in for a tongue lashing from Wei Ting. So that is it for us. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind a Dynamite.